exalted the name of the Lord. I join my faith with Bob's. I believe it too. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Now you get from God what you believe him for. Do you believe that? All right, you may be seated just for a minute. I want to, I've got two or three things I want to tell you. If you have a pen, I'll get your pen out real quick like. And I want to announce, while you're getting your pen, I want to announce to all the pastors, in a miracle seminar like this, sometimes you don't give an invitation for salvation, but be sure you give an invitation for salvation or make your altars open to the lost so they can come and be saved. The other morning on television here with Bob, a lady walked up to me and she said, I want to be saved after the television show. I prayed for her and the Spirit of the Lord just came right in her and she broke and began to cry and weep and the joy of the Lord came to her. So just make sure that if you're in any of the congregations around the United States and you're lost and don't know God as your personal Savior, make sure you get up out of your seat and just go down front and give your life to Jesus tonight. Or sitting there in your seat, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And he'll come in. The Holy Spirit will come in so quick when you repent of your sins. All right, if you have your pen, I want you to put down real quick like. Everybody say Sheridan Hotel, October 31st, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We're going to have some special week-long meetings starting October the 31st through November the 6th. And we're going to have some special sessions for our ministers from Dr. Kenneth Hagen and T.L. Osborne and myself and Phil Driscoll. We'll be there for a week, so if you can make plans to come, feel free to do it. I got a praise report for you from Rick Kennedy called me from Memphis, Tennessee, right before I came to the service tonight. And he said he wanted to congratulate us on what a good meeting we were having here, and the people in Memphis were responding to it. And he said they'd responded better than any seminar that they'd had on satellite. The crowds were bigger. They were responding to the altar call more. And last night, several people got new feet and got healings in their feet. And he says, and besides that, Brother Norville, he says, this church, he said, we have already, I was at the last one in Gatlinburg, and he said, this church has already got a whole bus load ready for Gatlinburg October the 31st. And I said, well, praise God forever. Bob came last time, and I mean, he preached like a man from another world. He came, stayed about three days, and he preached like a man from another world. And uh, uh, August the 1st, week after next, this week of this coming Monday, we, you know, I have a campus ministry that we need some workers in, and uh, we pass out tracts and give out books on college campuses all over America, from University of Maine to University of California. And we have our Bible school camp meeting the first week in August every year. And a girl named Glenda Nicholson will be taking 12, 10 or 12 people with her, and George Kibber will be taking quite a few, and different people will be taking some workers with them. And we're going to be doing some interviewing in Cleveland, Tennessee, for workers to go on that particular ministry to travel all the time to college campuses. And the first week in August during our camp meeting, we'll be going to do some interviewing. So if you're interested in witnessing on college campuses and passing out tracts and so forth, why well, just feel free to show up in Cleveland, Tennessee, and we'll interview you. You can't ever tell you might get to go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're taking two witnessing tours this year, one in October to Belfast Island in London, England, and also one in December the 26th to Honolulu, Hawaii. Now, if you're interested in one of those, I don't have time to give you all the addresses and things and different tour companies, just contact our office 
and we'll give you the details, what tour company to contact and so forth. You can still film on that at my book table, the local congregation can here, here in Dallas. And tomorrow night and next night, for all of you local people in Dallas and here, I will be at Bob Nichols' church in Fort Worth, Texas. Tomorrow night and next night, I'll have some of my team with me, the Hendricks family, Bobby, Joe, Becky, Angelo, and different ones, and we'll be there for two nights. So, did you get all that? <laughs> all right, if you got all that, bow your heads, please, and let's pray and ask God to bless this service. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God that's working in these services. And we thank you, Lord, because that you will heal people tonight. I agree with Bob that this will be one of the greatest miracle services the church has ever known. Because of the anointing of God, because the healing anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ breaks the yoke of sickness and disease and all infirmities in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, because you are our personal healer. We thank you most of all because you're our personal Savior. Thank you, God, because I'm saved because my name is written in heaven. I do cast out devils in Jesus' name when one shows up, but I want to thank you, Lord, because my name is written in heaven. I want to thank you because I have accepted you as my personal Savior, and I want to thank you, Jesus, because I have accepted you as my personal healer, and I confess continually that your healing power is working in my body to keep me healthy and keep me strong, and I confess, Lord, that you are my personal miracle worker, that whenever I need a miracle, that you'll give it to me, and you do all the time, and you heal me all the time, and I stay close to you all the time, and I pray, Lord, tonight, that if there's one listening, and all the ones that's listening, that's lost, that don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray tonight will be the night that they'll give their heart to you. And Lord, tonight, those that do not understand where disease come from, they don't know how you heal people. They've heard about it, but they're sick. Tonight, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray the healing power of God will saturate their whole being, and the anointing of God will come upon them and drive out disease from them in Jesus' name. And I pray while I'm teaching that faith will spring up in their hearts to make Jesus their own personal healer. And when they do it, you stay ready all the time, Jesus, and we'll give you the praise and glory for everything that's done. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, please, let's get started real quick like tonight in John 10.10. 10. That'll be my first scripture tonight, John 10.10. 10. Let me start off by saying to you, you know, many people don't know where disease comes from. They don't know where... They don't know if God did it, if the devil did it, or just natural, it happened to them. The denomination I was raised in, they don't know very much about where disease comes from. Well, the Bible plainly tells you, my brother and sister, that all good things, now I want you to listen to me closely, local congregation and also congregations around America, I want you to listen to me closely. Let me teach you for a little while, then you can understand it perfectly. It's, it's not a complicated thing. Nothing in the Bible is complicated. God would be stupid to write a book that people couldn't understand. That'd be the stupidest thing that he ever did. Some people say, well, I can't understand the Bible. Well, if you can't understand the Bible, then you are stupid. <laughs> well, you can read, can't you? If you can't read, have somebody read it to you. 
The Bible is not complicated. God would be stupid to write a book that his children couldn't understand. Now, that's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard a human being say. I can't understand the Bible. Well, if you can't understand the Bible, then you can't read. That's all. It's just that simple. You can't read. And if you can't read, why don't you go to school and learn to read, you old ignorant thing? <laughs> in fact, I know a few people in the world. I know a contractor down in St. Petersburg, Florida. He never did get to go to school, and the Holy Ghost taught him how to read. Now that he builds churches, he's a contractor, builds churches for God. The Holy Ghost taught him how to read. He never could read. Never could pronounce words. The Spirit of God can do that, you know. In fact, I met a little boy here a while back in church, just a little bitty teeny guy, like five or six years old, and any word that you want to pick in a songbook, he had never even been to school, he could pronounce any word you wanted to pick. Just pick the hardest word, you know, all kind of words. Never been to school, you could ask him, say, son, what does this word say? And he'd look at it and pronounce the thing for you. I'd pick the long, hard ones. A little bitty teeny guy, five or six years old, never been to school. Pronounce all those words, any word you want to pick, he, he, he could pronounce it. And you say, the Holy Ghost can't give you things? Lord, it to God, he must have had it when he was born. <laughs> but you have to understand that all good things, the Bible says, comes down from heaven. Every good thing that's ever come to you came from God. Get that straight once and for all in your mind and your spirit. Get that straight. Every good thing that's ever come to you came from God. The devil has no idea anywhere in him about anything good. He is possessed with total destruction. He don't even think good. He don't even act good. He's a total flake. <laughs> All he's doing day and night is trying to figure out some way how to get to you. God took me out of my body three times, just like Kenneth Copeland prophesied 12 years ago that God would do it in three different manifestations. Copeland prophesied to me about 12 years ago at a convention in Jackson, Mississippi, and said, the Lord God is going to manifest himself to you three different times and show you the whole, the whole kingdom of the devil's work. Three different times in a period of about two or three years, the Lord would take me up in the air and let me go with demons and let me see how they operated. And every time he took me up there, it's exactly the same thing all the time. I mean, all, they, don't have, they don't have much sense. All they do is know how to roam back through the air, to and fro, over the city, over Dallas, over Fort Worth. They roam back through the air, seeking whom they may devour, and especially the bar sections and the prostitute sections. They roam back up and down those streets in the air, looking for a new prospect. And if you're looking for a girl, or if you don't know if you want one or not, they'll whisper to you. They'll dive down out of the air, whisper to you in your ear. Don't she look good? Look how she's built. Now, she's cute. You'll never be possessed with the devil if you'll stay off the devil's territory. You cannot fool around the devil without the devil getting to you. No devil is ever strong enough to get in you unless you begin to think like he thinks or cooperate with him. No devil. Devils don't have that kind of power. They're total flaky. 
roaming around goofed up spirits, roaming around through the air like a bunch of chicken hawks, looking down to try to find some stupid people. <laughs> All demons are doing is roaming backwards and forth through the air trying to find stupid humans. And if they can find one to listen to them, brother, they'll come right in you. I mean, they'll come right in you. And there's lots of different kinds of them. There's lying demons. There's lust demons. There's thieving demons. There's all kinds. And they roam backwards and forth all the time through the air, seeking whom they may devour. That means get in you, possess. And they don't have anything good to think about. I'm going to tell you that now. If you stay off the devil's territory, your mind will stay clear for the rest of your life. Your spirit will stay strong, and you can glorify the name of Jesus until the day you die. But you can't fool around the devil without getting burned. I mean, without him getting in you. He will attack you. And if you fool around churches that will not accept Jesus as healer, then you're going to be attacked by diseases. I can tell you that right now. You might as well look for it. And when you get attacked by cancer, you're going to die. That's what's going to happen to you. In most cases, you're going to die because there's nobody there that'll help you. There's nobody there that knows how to help you. You can't get God to do things just because he's God and you're a human being. You have to know how to get God to work for you. You have to know how to get Jesus to perform miracles for you. The Holy Spirit of God will perform any kind of miracle for you. But he's not going to do it unless you have the knowledge of miracles and have the knowledge of healing. Jesus will heal anybody. But unless you have the knowledge of healing, he's not going to do it. You can't just float around, do your own thing, and say, oh, well, I'm sick, Lord. You know, I'm, a, I'm waiting for the Lord to heal me. Well, you'll be waiting next time I see you. He's not going to heal you. You have to show God your faith. You have to make Jesus your own personal healer. Just like you did, just like you did when you made him your Savior. It's on the same level, same kind of faith. If Southern Baptists, where I was raised, they got strong faith in salvation. If they ever, there's so many of them, if they ever accept Jesus as their personal healer and start holding healing lines and laying one of hands in their church, all the doctors will get fired because hospitals will be empty. You say, well, the Southern Baptists, reason they don't have healing services, they need more faith. I know they don't need more faith. They need a different kind. They got faith. They believe that Jesus can save anybody in town. They believe that. But my mother took cancer there in a Southern Baptist church at the age of 37, and we buried her because she died at the age of 37. And I had a brother to take Bryce's disease at the age of 17, football player in high school, and we buried him at the age of 19 football player in high school. So after my mother died and after my brother died, I mean, I just said, no, forget it. I don't know if you've ever been through that or not as a kid. You have one mother, you have one brother, and you're 10 years old when your mother dies, and you're 14 years old when your only brother dies. So I just dropped out. I just didn't care for anything to speak of. And I just dropped out of school and I said, let me get out of this mess and get away from these people as quick as I can. I dropped out of school, went to Knoxville, Tennessee, got me a job and became a pool hustler. I hustled pool around the country after I, when I, I practiced for about a year. 
And the only reason I was ever good in pool is because when I was seven years old, the devil tried to kill me with side pleurisy. They had, to, they had to keep irons heated and keep them around my feet for all winter long. I couldn't even go outside. Couldn't even breathe the air on the outside all winter long. They kept me out of school when I was in third grade. And, and I can't ever crack in the wall. I know what it is, my brother and sister, for the doctors to say, if he catches cold, he'll die because pus is forming in his side and he just can't live. And my mother, boy, she would heat irons, I'm telling you, and she kept me alive for a year by keeping the bed warm and keeping the bed hot. Then I had to watch her die two or three years later with cancer. I know what it is to be in bed and stay in bed all winter long. And if you catch a cold, you're gonna die. So I would play in front of the fireplace when I was seven years old. You by yourself? And I had one sister and one brother and they'd gone to school. So all day long I'd play marbles. When I first started playing marbles, I couldn't hit a marble far from here to the end of that. I'd, I'd shoot it and it'd go this way. I'd shoot it and I'd keep on practicing and come a little bit closer. After I practiced for several weeks, I could take my towel and I could shoot that marble and hit it. After I practiced a few more weeks, I could take my towel every time. I could hit it and stick right in the same spot the marble was at. Then I'd put the marble further out there and I'd take my little hands and I was in the third grade and I kept on practicing thousands of times. I, I played marbles so much my big toenails come off and my thumbnail come off. <laughs> and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and finally I got so I could hit the thing every time and stick right in the same spot every time after thousands and thousands and thousands of time practicing. I did that. That's the way the Bible is. If you don't never claim what you want from the Bible, you won't even know how to believe God. I didn't know how to shoot marbles when I first started, but after one winter, I became the school marble champion. I go back to school in the third grade, and the guys in the fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth, they wouldn't even play me. They're a lot bigger than me, so they thought they'd play me. And, I, and I'd get in there, and boy, I'd stick in that ring, and I'd get all our marbles. I'd come home at night, so all my pockets would be full of marbles. <laughs> I'd, get off, I'd get off the school bus, and they could hear them come in. they said, well, I hear Norval coming. I would walk like this. <laughs> Finally, I got so I couldn't even get a marble game on campus. Same way, well, well, I had that same eye, see. When I started shooting pool, it wasn't very long till I could beat my teacher. Wasn't very long, I was beat with the hustlers. Wasn't very long, I couldn't get a game in town. Wasn't very long, I was traveling around the country. And they'd set it up, you know. When you're a pool hustler, you're like a movie star. You have fans. They take you into a town and you challenge the hustler. And all the gangsters in town and all the businessmen and all the guys with money are standing around and watch you play for hours. It's like being a movie star. Oh, I mean, all their eyes are on you. No question about that. And I made my way to Kansas City and I got there and I, I, I'd hustled Kansas City for quite a while, and I couldn't find anybody to play me anymore. And so I got this, finally I just got a job traveling, and I just stopped hustling pool, haven't hustled since that time. And uh, <laughs> started in the business, and I was successful in the business, very successful as a young man. And then after I became in an executive position, God began to manifest himself to me, and he wanted me to follow him. Then he began to want me to teach the Bible. Then I came in contact with a full gospel pastor in Cleveland, Tennessee, the only Pentecostal man I ever knew. I came in contact with him. 
And so when I came in contact with him, I noticed in their church, when I would go to their church, they would pray for the sick. Now, I only went to Southern Baptist churches up to that time. Well, I went to Catholic church with mass three or four times, but I saw they didn't have anything. They just ring bells and stuff. And so, <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't, feel no, didn't feel no spirit there. Well, I was holding a healing service. I was, holding a, I was holding a healing service here a while back in Steubenville, Ohio. Did you ever hear of a town named Steubenville, Ohio? That's where Dean Martin is from, Steubenville, Ohio. And I was holding a healing, I started holding a healing service, like I'll be doing here in a, in a little while. And I, and, I, and I invited the sick to come up, and they lined up across the Holiday Inn ballroom, you know. And uh, there's a Catholic priest sitting out there and a plain clothesman. That means with just a suit on like this. Sitting next to him. I don't know anything about nothing. I just obey the Holy Ghost. I didn't know either one, never saw either one before in my life, as far as I know. And the word of the Lord come into me saying, Call those two men up here, and I want them to walk with you and watch me heal these people. <coughs> Honey, anything I've got from God, I want to tell you right now that you can have it. God wants you to see it. I don't care if Billy Graham was sitting on the front tonight. I don't care if Kenneth Hagin was sitting on the front tonight. I don't care who was sitting in here. I don't care if every evangelist in the world was sitting in here. Because when you got something from God, you know you got it, so you don't have anything to worry about. You don't have anything to back up about. I mean, when you got it, you got it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and you don't have it until God gives it to you. <laughs> you say, well, how'd you get it? Well, I got it because Jesus gave it to me. Gave it to you? Gave you what? He gave me his healing power in my hands. And it comes into manifestation every time I talk about it. Every time I speak about it. Not every night, but every, every night that I speak about it. Every night that I read scriptures on it. It'll come in my hands. And that power will go from my hands into your body and give you a total healing if you'll believe it. You say, do you think it'll come in your hands tonight? No, I don't think it'll come in my hands tonight. I know it'll come in my hands tonight. Mother, when you know God, you know what he'll do. It's like one fellow said, you know, a little baby, a little baby can be here, you know, like a little a year and a half child, and a stranger can walk up to it, be up on a high wall, and a stranger walk up to it and say, uh, come here, come here, come here, come here, and the little child will go, no. <laughs> Why? Because the child don't know him. He's not going to, that child's not going to jump to a stranger because he don't know him. But you let his mother walk up and say, do like this and say, jump to me, little darling. And that child will go, <laughs> hmm. And, and then jump over in the arms. Oh, yeah, jump over in the arms, right in the middle of six feet of water in the pool. Or off the, jump in the mother's arms. Why? Because the child knows the mother. You know why you don't trust God for your healing? You don't know him. To know him is to trust him. If you don't trust Jesus, you don't know him. You can't know Jesus and not trust him. There is no way that you can know the Lord Jesus Christ and not trust him. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, you know him in the free pardon of sin. But you don't know him as healer. You don't know him as miracle worker. 
You don't know that he'll manifest himself and drive all the disease out of you. You don't know that his power will come up on you and wipe all that skin disease off of you and put new skin up on you. You don't know him that well. You don't know him. But if you knew him, he'd do it for you. If you'd believe him and trust him, he'll do it for you. But you have to trust him. You have to know him. And when you know him, how do you get acquainted with him? You get acquainted with him according to his word, my brother and sister. Not just Jesus is a name or God is a name or the Holy Spirit is a name. You get acquainted with God according to his blessed holy word. That's the way you get acquainted with God. And he tells you the truth. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But you have to know where it is. He's, some people, you know, nearly all of America don't even know where it comes from. Some people, if you tell them, well, the devil's attacked you. You see, the devil makes them mad. Most America, this devil possessed, they don't even believe in devils. <laughs> and they're all flaked out, totally possessed, and don't even believe in devils. Oh, many people, this devil possessed, you tell them they're devil possessed, and they go, oh, I'm not either. Don't say that. Don't say that. That's the devil telling them right then. See, the devil manifested himself right then. <laughs> but you are. And why should you allow the devil to come and touch you with disease? Disease does not come from heaven. It don't come from Jesus because he don't have any. How could you, the disease you've got come from Jesus because he don't have any? You have to have something to give it to somebody. But he don't have any. He can't give it to you. The devil's got all the flaky stuff. And he'll give you anything. You don't have to ask him for it. You just be ignorant of it. And I'll guarantee you he'll give it to you. I mean, he'll throw it on you, man. He'll put it on you. He'll put headaches on you. He'll put pains on you. He'll make your bones ache. Every time that you even feel a little ache coming into part of your body, the best medicine in the world that you ever put in your body was the moment you detect that, just rise up in Jesus' name and say, No, you don't. I won't accept this. No, you don't. The greatest word that you ever said to the devil in your life is no. Two little letters. That's the greatest word that you ever said to the devil. If you'll always, when the devil comes and attacks you, if you'll say, no, no you don't. I won't receive this. I won't accept this. I resist you in Jesus' name. Go from me. I don't care what it is. Aches, pains. I don't, it doesn't make a difference what it is. And you might as well look out, America. You might as well look out here in Dallas, Texas. You might as well look out at everybody sitting in this building. I got news for your head. You're going to be attacked by the devil. You just might as well know that you're living in a world where God said the devil is God of this world. Jesus said the devil is the God of this world. The God of this world, and he's going to try to attack you. It all depends on how much authority you have in you, how much of the Holy Ghost, how, much, how filled you are with the Holy Ghost, what your knowledge is of Jesus' name, what your knowledge is of the Word, what your knowledge is of the Word of authority, what your knowledge is of, of, of authority speaking. And if you know those things in Jesus' name, the devil stops, just rise up within you. Stir up the gift that's in you. Say, in Jesus' name, no, you don't. Not to me, you don't. And if you'll resist the devil a few times, he'll just finally just flake off and say, oh, well... I can't, I can't give it to them. They won't receive it. I'll have to go down the street and see if I... I'll have to go down the street. I'll have to go down the street and go in the next house and see if I can find anybody in there that's stupid. <laughs> you say, well, they don't believe that Jesus is a healer in that house and they, they don't read the Bible very much. Well, then they're stupid and the devil will get to them. Oh, yeah, he'll get to them. 
This is what he does, John 10, 10. Jesus said to his sheep, everybody say, Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. Well, he wants to teach his sheep the truth. Now listen to him. He said, the thief cometh not but for to kill, for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth life for his sheep. Giveth his, his life for his sheep. That's the reason Jesus gave his total life for you, that you might live in the abundant life. My brother and sister, and all, all across America, would you please listen to this statement? There's only been one kind of life provided for you. All those sick, beaten down, confused, shabby, poverty, sick lives that probably a third of you that's listening to this satellite that's living now, that's not the kind of life that Jesus prepared for you. He only prepared one kind of life for you, not two. He prepared an abundant life. That means an abundance in everything. That means abundance of healing. That means abundance, blessed be God forever, in, in, in money, finances. Uh, it means abundance of whatever you want. It means abundance in joy. It means abundance in peace. It means abundance in patience. Unless you have the patience of God, you'll never have faith. If you don't have patience, it's a wonder you even find the church on Sunday morning. <laughs> patience makes faith work. Being possessed with patience causes you to believe exactly what God says and not what man says or not what your head thinks. For God's sake, don't believe your head. That head of yours will get you in trouble. I mean, get you in real trouble. And um, now turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, uh, the eighth chapter, seventh chapter. I got some scripture I want to read to you in the seventh and eighth chapter of both, but the seventh chapter. Now, I want to show you that, first of all, John 10, 10, of what the devil has come to do to you. The devil has come to put diseases on you. You say, well, what the Lord, what has the Lord done about it? He's done everything about it, my brother and sister. He has done everything about it. Now, I want you to notice. And you can find out what he's done about it, and you can receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you listen to his word, notice the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, starting with the 24th verse. Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Everybody say, The rock Christ Jesus. The rock Christ Jesus. Notice the 26th verse now. And every one that heareth those, these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. All right, now notice the verse 28. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They're always astonished at my doctrine, always. I was in a store here a while back. And I was looking at a counter there, you know. And there was a lady over here. Uh, and she was going like this. Oh, 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 suffering. Oh. I said, why, you crazy devil? <laughs> you mean, was you calling her a devil? No, I wasn't calling her a devil. 
was calling that, I was calling the devil exactly what he was, was making that sweet lady go, oh, oh. I didn't know her, so I just walked over to her. And I said, uh, do you have a headache, ma'am? She said, yes. Oh, yes. She said, sir, I have migraine headaches all the time. And this one's been on me for two or three days. Sometimes, sometimes they stay on me for eight days, and I have to beat my head against the wall, and it hurts so bad, I can't hardly stand it, sir. I looked at her straight in the face, and I said, I don't put up with headaches. <laughs> and she said, uh, <laughs> you don't? And I said, no, I don't. You have to say it loud and clear so the devil can hear you. You walk around the world 50 times and say, I don't put up with headaches. <laughs> and he'll put one on you every day because he don't even believe that you believe what you're saying. He listens to the devil, listens to nothing except authority. And you speak authority in Jesus' name. About that time, her husband walked up, you know, and uh, I stand there talking to his wife and she was going, oh. and I said, is this, is this your husband? She said, yeah. I said, your wife, sir. I said, he, she's suffering terrible. Yeah, he said, I know it. He said, she has migraine headaches all the time. All the time she has migraine headaches. And he said, uh, he said she, sometimes she, she suffers so much. And he said, I said, well, I don't put up with headaches. He said, you don't? I said, no, I don't. What do you put up with them for? He said, huh? When you look at somebody and say, huh, that means you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I said, well, I'll have, mercy if, I'll have mercy on this store manager here. I said, if you'll step outside of his building, I said, uh, I'll make that dumb thing leave. <laughs> oh, but I've, I've had him for years, mister. I've had him for years. Sometimes it lasts for eight days. I said, if I pray for you, you'll never have another one. And they go, huh? I says, well, you want me to pray for your wife? He says, uh, sh sure. <laughs> so I took him outside of the store, and I said, I said, all right. And I just got her head in my hands like this. I said, in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and I command you, turn her head loose. Turn her head loose. I bind you, and I command you, come out of her. I command you in Jesus' name, go from her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you, obey me. You don't have no choice, you dummy. I said, go from her. I said, in Jesus' name, I bind you. I command you, go from her. You have to turn her head loose. I'm not giving you any choice. I'm not giving you any choice. As long as you give the devil a choice, your crooked legs and that wheelchair will stay crooked. As long as you give the devil any choice, that cancer in your body will never die and disappear. If you will say, cancer, I take authority over you, you dummy. Get out of my body. You're an invader. Get out of here in Jesus' name. You can't give the devil or disease any kind of a choice at all. If you do, it'll hang around you for days and weeks and years. And sometimes you will spend thousands of dollars on account of your ignorance of authority. You don't have enough authority in Jesus' name. And I kept on and on. 
How long? Oh, I don't know, probably 20 times in Jesus' name. Come out of her! In Jesus' name, go from her! I still had her head in my hands. I said, in Jesus' name, I break your power. I command you, go from her. You cannot hold her head. I'm not going to let you in Jesus' name. I said, go from her. I bind you in Jesus' name. Let this woman go free. Go from her. After about 25 times of that, and the longer I did it, the stronger I got and the louder I got. <laughs> if you ever start weakening, the devil will not obey you. The devil does not listen to weak people. Never. The devil don't have to obey you if you're weak. He's not going to obey you either. The devil only listens to strength and authority. And that's all he listens to. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she just broke. I knew it when it came. The power of God all of a sudden was manifested and, and hit her and just broke. And she began to cry and weep and weep and weep. And the glory of God come upon her. And the Holy Ghost began to bubble up out of me. And I began to weep and I began to weep and I began to weep and I began to get blessed. I began to get blessed. You say, what did you get blessed for? Because I broke the power of the devil. God will bless you if you bless somebody else. And she wept and wept and wept and wept. And I wound up while she was weeping, just walking around, glorifying the Lord. Thank you, Lord, because she's healed and she'll never have another headache. Blessed be God forever. By the time she came to herself, you know, after crying for five or ten minutes and weeping with joy and with joy and with joy, I said, I said, you don't have a headache, do you? She says, oh, no, it's all gone. I said, now, you'll never have another headache if you'll take authority in Jesus' name over that dumb thing. I looked at her husband and I says, now you. <laughs> you're the head of your house. The next time the devil comes and tries to attack your wife with a headache, you make that dumb thing leave her. He said, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, oh, well, I, I don't know if I know how to do it or not. I said, yes, you do. You stood there and watched me. He said, oh, is that the way you do it? That's the only way you do it. <laughs> There's not two ways, just one. Take authority of the devil and make, you, you have to make the devil obey you. He said, oh, okay, all right. I said, don't let her have no more headaches. If you do, it'll be your fault. <laughs> well, it is. A man is the head of the house. Why don't you make the devil leave? If he's trying to bust somebody in your house, make him leave. Walk the floor with authority and make him leave. You can make the devil obey you with authority. Any person. Now, I'm teaching you now what to do yourself. Any person can dying with cancer, can get in the middle of the floor and sit out in a room and take the Bible and claim a scripture and say, in Jesus' name, cancer, I bind you and I command you, get out of my body, you thief. Cancer, I command you, go from me. Cancer, in Jesus' name, I bind you. I command you to die. Go from me, cancer. In Jesus' name, I said, go from me. And sat there and do it for three or four hours that day, three or four hours the next day, and three or four hours. No, no, you, you, won't, you won't have to do it three or four hours the third day. Because you'll already be healed. But if you're sitting around waiting for God to do what he wants to do, God's sitting around waiting on you. God does what you do. You sit around waiting on God, you may wait on him, be waiting on him next time I see you. Action. Action to your faith. Your faith is dead without action, my brother and sister. 
Now, don't let the devil put it on you. He says, now, let me bring you real quick right back to the 24th verse. Therefore, Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Therefore, now listen, listen to me closely. Notice it one more time. Therefore, whosoever, everybody say whosoever, whosoever. means me. That, that means everybody. Listen to me closely. Therefore, whosoever shall, whoso, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, sayings of mine, he, in God's eyes, he will be recognized as a wise man because he trusts the rock Christ Jesus. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and obey them, sayings of mine, quickly, now I don't have much time, quickly, 16th chapter of the book of St. Mark, quickly. Sayings of mine? What do you mean, sayings of mine? I'm going to read you some sayings of Jesus. 16th chapter of the book of St. Mark. Now, local congregation, look up here at me just a minute. And all of you out on the television screen. The last 11 words that Jesus spoke before he went to heaven, according to Mark, was his last sayings. Surely you don't think that Jesus would tell a lie and then go to heaven. <laughs> Notice the last 11 words that Jesus spoke. And if you don't have that book of mine, God's power through the laying on of hands, you ought to write to my office and get it. I've got some here on the table out there. I've got every scripture in the New Testament concerning laying on of hands in that book. Kenneth Hagin likes it so well, he orders it by the case all the time. I don't mean one or two cases, cases of them. Because I dug, I got in a room alone and I dug into the scriptures and put every, every scripture I could find about laying out of hands in that book. So you could believe it. Notice the last 11 words. Last 11 words is the last sayings of Jesus. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Take your hands. Both of them. Hold them in front of your face. And say, These are my hands. If I want to see the sick healed, I must turn my hands around and walk up to a sick person and lay my hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Because Jesus is not a liar. And that is his sayings. If they'll believe his sayings, and I lay my hands on the sick, they shall recover. That means all of them. You're responsible yourself. You might say, you, you first Baptist, how'd you get involved in all this? I didn't get involved with the first Baptist, that's for sure. You can only learn things from people that know something. If they don't know anything, you can't learn it from them. I can't learn how to fly a jet airplane from there. He don't know how. He just sang songs and loves Vicky. <laughs> if I want to fly a jet airplane, I need to go to American or Delta one and go to their school. I can't fly a jet until I learn how. Who are you going to learn how from? Well, I didn't have anybody to teach me. So I went to this full gospel church in Cleveland, Tennessee. 
And this pastor named Reverend Littlefield, a full gospel pastor, I'd go to church there, you know, and he'd say, I'd be sitting on the front, me first Baptist. He'd have a healing line, and he'd say, come up here, Brother Hayes, and help us pray for the people. I'd go, oh, brother. <laughs> and I'd go up and help pray for him, you know, when I was standing in the altar, and all of a sudden power came in my hands. And I walked over to him, and I said, Brother Littlefield, what is this going through my hands? There's something going through my hands. My, the bones are about to jump out of my fingers. What is this going through my hands, I tell you? There's something alive in there. It's tickling my bones. He said, Normal, that's the healing power of Jesus. You say, when did it first come in your hands? It first came in my hands in an altar in a full gospel church where they was praying for the sick in Jesus' name by the laying on of hands. You say, do you think that would have come in your hands if you went to a church that didn't pray for the sick? No, it won't come in your hands there because it's not there. It won't never come in your hands there. You better go someplace else, my brother and sister, if you want that to come in your hands. You got to go someplace where it's happening, where it's happening all the time. It's happening. And so he said, come over here, Norval, and lay your hands on this sister so-and-so. She's been sick for a long time. And I'd go over and lay my hands on her, and one time I laid my hands on her, she fell over. Boop. I said, oh, God, did I kill her? <laughs> that's, that's what you call ignorant First Baptist. <laughs> I'd go ahead and go along, you know, and I'd pray for, pray for the sick. And one day, I never will forget him. He knocked on my door. I said, Normal. He said, you know, Jesus, I was praying this morning in my church, and Jesus told me to come out here and get you. I know a Methodist woman over here that's in pain. She's racked with pain, and he told me to come over here and get you and get you to go lay hands on her. I said, well, why would God tell you, Pastor Littlefield, to come and get me for? I said, you probably know God better than I know him. I mean, I'm just first Baptist. I'm trying to learn. He says, I don't know, Norval. He said, I've already prayed for her. He said, I don't know. He said, the Lord told me this morning to come and get you and drive you over to the Methodist home and get you to lay your hands up on that woman. I said, well, okay, I'll meet you at the church in 30 minutes. So I met him and went over there, and she was like this in bed. Uh, uh, uh. The pastor's song leader went with us. He said, you kneel down to the foot of the bed. I'm going to kneel down here to the side of the bed. He says, Brother Norval, you get up here. The Lord gave me instructions for you to get up here. And you reach over and lay your hands on her. So I reached over and laid my hand upon her in Jesus' name. When I laid my hands upon her in Jesus' name, all of a sudden, she began to shake, and my arm began to turn warm, and my hand began to turn warm, and the bed began to shake, and she began to shake. And I noticed that she began to cry, and she said, this Methodist woman don't even know she's, a, she's, she's worried than I was. She says, what's going through me? Something clean is going through me. Something's going through me, driving all my bad feelings out. Something's going through me. What is this going through me? I said, that's the Lord Jesus Christ healing you now. Well, she was shaking. The bed was shaking. The house was shaking. If you didn't know God was healing you, you're stupid yourself. <laughs> you mean God comes and gets in the bed with Methodist woman? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Especially if you lay hands on them. Oh, he'll come up through your hand. In fact, in fact, that's one of the main ways. Listen to me closely, all America and you here. That's one of the number one ways. That's one of the main ways that God visits the sick is through a hand. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's one of the main ways he visits the sick person is through a hand. The last 11 words of his sayings before he went to heaven. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I'd go along, you know, and just pray for people, but God had never given it to me, you know, as far as giving it to me is concerned. Until I was in Pennsylvania speaking to a Christmas banquet, and all of a sudden, a deaf man approached me when I was speaking. 
And he said, I didn't know what was happening to me until you started speaking. The Lord said, cast that deaf spirit out of him. I said, you foul deaf spirit in Jesus' name, come out of him. He fell flat on the floor. Just fell like he shot him with a gun. Both ears popped open. And about that time, the people jumped up out of their seat. And they were packed out in that ballroom in a Holiday Inn in Pennsylvania from wall to wall. And they started running down to me and said, lay your hands on me, lay your hands on me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And I reached out like this and began to pray for them. They all fell flat on the floor everywhere. I went, I went back to the congregation and just held my hands out like this and prayed for them. They were falling between the seats and falling everywhere, falling everywhere, falling everywhere. I looked around after about five minutes. looked like you'd run a, run a machine gun in there and shot the whole bunch. There's an old gray-headed missionary walked up to me. He looked like he's about 75 or 80 years old. He said, young man, he said, I haven't seen no power like this in 55 years. He said, I'm, I'm an old line Pentecostal fellow. He said, back in the early days of Pentecost, I saw power like this. I haven't seen power like this in 55 years. Uh, I could have told him, I never saw it before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but that night, my brother and sister, that night, that night, God gave it to me in my hands. Now look at me closely. Listen closely. That night, he put it in my hands to abide forever. To abide forever. And all I do is reach out very gently and say, in Jesus' name, receive your healing. In Jesus' name, receive your healing. In Jesus' name, receive your healing. In 1976, this is one of the greatest miracles probably that's ever happened in this country. All by a gentle touch of the laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is a doctrine of the church. I was speaking in Pensacola, Florida at Ken Summerall's Bible School one Sunday morning. About a thousand people was there. I was speaking and firing away from the 16th chapter of the book of St. Matthew. And there was a, 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 a scrawny, twisted, crippled lady sitting in a wheelchair out there. And the Lord said, I want you to lay your hands on her. I didn't even know God did things like this. I said, excuse me, congregation. The Lord wants me to pray for her. I went out. And I gently laid my right hand upon her forehead like this. And the moment that my fingers, the tip of my fingers, touched her forehead, she said she, said she went unconscious that moment. But the moment I touched her, her whole body raised up out of the wheelchair and went through the air in front of the church. And in the middle of the air, her, all of her crooked limbs and her crooked feet and everything about her, while she was in the middle of the air, went and she was blind, 75% blind. Couldn't even tell who I was. Couldn't even see me. Her eyes became normal. Her hands became normal. Her feet became normal. And right now, I want you to see on the screen exactly how she looked. Her name was Mae Stafford. Look how she looked. That's the way she looked. You see her right now? That's the way she looks at the wheelchair in that church. Hands all warped. Bars around her bed. No hope. Several policy for over 10 years. Twisted, crippled, blind. 
after, when I read, I read out like this, and gently, in Jesus' name, everybody say, in Jesus' name. I gently laid my hand upon her head, and God picked her up out of the wheelchair and shot her through the air, and every part about her went and became normal. And now then, this is the way she looks. My nurse, the, the nurse cousin called her and then said, look, Miss Miss Epper rolled out of here in the chair. But look at her, she rolled and said, Jesus, heal this lady. Yeah, Bob. Oh, the board, yeah, look, look, hand, look at there. Look how pretty that hand is. It's all crippled up. This is normal? It was all crippled up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all crippled up. Are you Osteoporosis of bone and, and the muscular dystrophy. Let's get a shot, close shot. Put, put, yeah. Look how beautiful that hand is. And the skin well, just is soft and pretty. Da, 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 she wears high heels. I like to stand up so people see that I'm not crippled. Oh, yeah, you want to stand up so people see you're not crippled? Okay. I'll let you show off for Jesus. Okay, get a good shot of that. See? Look at her feet. Totally normal. She, she wears high heels. She's normal. She goes around the country laying her hands on people now. And the Lord heals them. Now then, tonight, I am ready. I am ready to lay my hands upon you in Jesus' name. Get this straight, my brother and sister. I am not a healer. Jesus is the healer. All I'm going to do is obey the sayings of Jesus. Listen closely. Jesus said, Whosoever shall hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man. A wise man. I will liken unto him a wise man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come here, honey. You're right back there. Stand right here. Now here comes a crippled girl. The Lord's already started healing. Just leave her alone, Angelo. Let, let her come. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did you ever see the Lord heal a crippled person? Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus forever. Turn right around, honey. All right, Angelo. Turn right around here, honey. The Lord's already started healing you, sweetheart. I lay my hands on you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Right into her in Jesus' name. In Jesus. Yeah, that's right. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For giving my little sister. For giving my little sister strong legs. In Jesus' name. All right, now then, with all the sick people in the congregation, line up around the wall from this side and also from this side. I'm going to lay hands on you across this altar in Jesus' name. Would you begin to line up? Line up. Just leave her alone. One line around the auditorium here. Only one line and go back... Okay. Well, yeah, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, you see? You see what the Holy Ghost did? I want you to see what the Holy Ghost did. The moment I laid my hands up on her is like the moment of the wheelchair. She like she went into a trance. 
and the Holy Ghost is working in her now. He's working in her now. Now, it's up to her to believe that. See, she needs to believe that. That's as far as I can take anybody, laying on of hands in Jesus' name. Okay, Norville, right now in all the churches across America, let's, you and I, let's do this. Let's have every pastor in all the churches come up to the side of the screen, not in front of the projector, but we want you to touch and lay your hand on the screen, right? Yes. And the, I want the cameraman to put Norval and I's hands right on the edge of that screen. And we're going to release the anointing. Norval, I want you to pray. And this anointing that's flowing through you and through here, through the television cameras, to flow into that pasture. Also, so the pastor can anoint those prayer cloths. Yes, and then we release this right. anointing into that pasture where that you, pastor, can then lay your hands on the people in your church. And that same anointing will flow. God's in this thing. That same anointing will flow through you. All right, now, pastor, stretch your hands out to the screen right now. All across America, stretch your hands out to the screen. Father, in Jesus' name, I stretch my hands out to my fellow workers, the pastors, my brothers around America that's pastoring churches, your chosen vessels, the shepherds of the flock, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that your anointing will go into their hands, into their hands, when they lay their hands upon the sick people, yes, Jesus. upon handkerchiefs, that that power will go from their hands into the bodies in Jesus' name and drive out all sickness and disease. Let the power, let the anointing be transferred from our hands right to the screen to their hands in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for doing it for each and every one of them in Jesus' name, regardless of what kind of church it is, what denomination it is. Lord, let the power of God flow into that shepherd's hands in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now then, shepherds, Get you a line in your church and begin to lay hands upon the sick. If you want your elders to help you, that's fine. But if you don't, do it yourself. But begin to lay hands right now under the anointing on all the sick people in your particular congregation, wherever you're at. Begin to do it. In the name of the Lord. Now leave her alone. Yeah, leave her alone. 